Welcome to Reading to Kids podcast. I'm your host, Jenna. And I'm your host, Peyton. And we're here to read to you or with you. We know that sometimes moms and dads don't always have the time or the motivation to read to their kids each night, and we know how important it is. So, on those nights that you're not in the mood, we're going to do it for you. Can't wait to read with you. Good job, Peyton. High five. She said, yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, when I asked her. Are you ready? Yeah, yeah. of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. You going to tell them what just happened? Well, I was trying to crack the Okay, so my back hurt, so I said, Peyton, will you crack my back? So I laid on the floor, and they told her what to do, and you didn't get a crack out of it. And then, <laughs> some mysterious, magical way, she lost her balance and crumpled and fell no, into I- the laundry basket, but just one leg, and a in a position that she could not get herself out without me helping her. It was very weird. And now I have a bruise on my leg. Let me see. Is it really a bruise or is it just a red oh, mark? It hurts. I can't, like, walk. Well, I can well, you, walk. you can walk. You can also climb on the bed just like you do. Oh, yeah. Jeez, girl. I see it. Do you see that? Like, look. It's a red mark right here. Oh, my God. Jeez. That is going to be a... Br- I'm so sorry. I told you. You poor thing. And But you know what the weird thing is? It's like... Okay, guys. When- rem- remember, warning. Do not crack backs when there's a laundry basket around. Yeah, especially cute, cute um, wicker ones. Okay, but also, thank you for cracking my back. But, like, when it happened, we both were laughing, and we couldn't help it. And Peyton was like... Didn't know whether so she was going to cry or that she was going to cry or laugh cuz were you kind of like freaking out? Cuz it hurt. Did you think you were going to be stuck? Did you think it was it, it was going to be like difficult? I was like, uh, I don't I didn't even look at it. I was like, is she going to be stuck? Like what's happening? And when I and when I ah, ah. Oh, now I'm popping her toes. Ah, ah. Oh my gosh, girl. Ah, oh my gosh, ah. let me see the other let me see the other foot. Oh, your foot. Okay. Oh. 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 That was two cracks. Mm-hmm. Big toes are weird. Sometimes they don't crack. Let me see. Try it. Okay. Ready? Ah! There you go. <laughs> I have the magic touch. Oh. Okay. A series of unfortunate events uh, by Lemony Snicket. Book Bye. the 12th. The penultimate peril. I thought I was going to mess that word up more. It's a hard word. Okay. There are... Oh, chapter three. There's a picture of three bells, and one says 370, one says 371, and one says 372. In the middle is 371, and that one's ringing. Okay. There are places where the world is quiet, but an enormous... But the enormous lobby of the Hotel Dumont is not one of them. On the day that the Baudelaire's walked up the stairs through the white fog from the funnel and entered the large curved archway marked entrance, but the words backwards, or when reflected in the enormous pond entrance, the lobby was bustling with activity. As Kit Snicket had predicted, the Baudelaire's were able to pass unnoticed through the hotel because everybody was far too busy to notice anything. Guests were lined up in front of the huge reception desk, which for some reason had the number 101 emblazoned on it on the wall above it so that they could check into the hotel and go to their rooms to freshen up. It's, I have to read like a grandma? Yeah, because he said it was going to be um, backwards. 
Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Boys and bell girls were loading piles of luggage into carts and rolling them toward the elevators, which, for some reason, had the numbers 118 emblazoned on the doors so that they could drop off their suitcases in the guest rooms, guests' rooms and collect their tips. Waiters and waitresses were bringing food and drinks to the people who were sitting on the chairs and benches of the lobby, waiting for their refreshment. Taxi, ca- taxi drivers were ushering guests into the lobby to join, to join the line, and dogs were dragging their owners out of the lobby to go on their walks. Confused tourists were standing around looking quizzically at maps, and rambunctious children were playing hide-and-seek among the potted plants. A man in, the tux- in a tuxedo was sitting at a grand piano emblazoned with the number 152, playing tinkly, t- tinkly tunes to amuse anyone who cared to listen, and members of the cleaning staff were di- di- discreetly polishing the green wooden floors with the numbers 123 for anyone who cared to see their feet reflected with every step. There was an enormous fountain on the corner of the room releasing a cascade of water that ran over the number 131 in shiny, smooth wall, and there was an enormous woman on the opposite corner standing under the number 176 and shouting a man's name over and over again in an increasingly annoyed tone of voice. The Baudelaire's tried to be flaneurs as they walked across the chaos of the lobby, but there was so much to observe, and all of the moving was so quick. All of it was moving so quickly that they wondered how they could ever get in, get started in on their noble errand. I had no idea this place would be so busy. Violet said, blinking at the lobby from behind her sunglasses. I even yawned during the day. Yowzeny, yowzeny, how in the world will we ever be able to observe the imposter, Klaus wondered, among all of these possible suspects. Frank first, Sonny said. Sonny's right, Violet said. The first, first step in our errand should be locating our new employer. If he saw our signal from the open window, he should be expecting us. Unless his villainous brother Ernest is expecting us instead, Klaus said. Or both, Sonny said. Why do you suppose that there are so many numbers, Violet tried to ask. But before she could finish her question, a man came bounding up to them. He was very tall and skinny, and his arms and legs stuck out at odd angles, as if he were made of some drinking straws instead of flesh and bone. He was dressed in a uniform similar to the Baudelaire's, but with the word manager printed in fancy script, fancy script, all script, blah, 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 fancy script over the one pocket of his coat. You must be the new concierge, he said. Welcome to Hotel Dumont. I'm one of the managers. Frank, Violet said, or Ernest. Exactly, the man said and winked at them. I'm so happy that, that the three of you are here, even even if one of you is unusually short, because we're unusually short-handed. I'm so busy that you'll have to figure out this system for yourself. System, Klaus asked. This place is as complicated as it is enormous, Frank said, or perhaps Ernest, and his and vice versa. I'd hate to think what would happen if you didn't understand it. The Baudelaire's looked carefully at their new manager, but his face was other, utterly unfathomable. A, w- a word here which means blank so that the Baudelaire's could not tell if he was giving them an unfriendly warning or a sinister threat. We'll try our best, Violet said quietly. What's the movie where the... Oh, it's Megamind, where he's like, unfathomable, unfathomable. And he was like, uh, without fathom, right? Oh, you don't remember that? No, I don't remember. Oh my gosh, we need to watch Megamind again. That movie's hysterical. 
That you know, that's where the word Molly used to always say. Yes. Are you going to Shuel? But it was like Shul, the Shul house. The Shul house. And so Molly switched it to Shuel, and Peyton used to say, "Stop it! It's called school." <laughs> Do you remember I that? Would. Yeah, you hated it. We thought it was so funny. So she'd keep saying it. Yeah, of course. You guys are siblings. Good, said the manager. Yeah. No, you just like to tease each other. Good, said the manager, leading the children across the enormous lobby. You'll be at our guest beck and call, he continued, using a phrase here which meant that the guests would continue to boss the Baudelaire's around. If anyone and everyone staying here asks for assistance, you'll immediately volunteer to help them. Um, excuse me, sir, interrupted one of the bellboys. He was holding up a suitcase in each hand and wearing a confused expression on his face. The luggage arrived in a taxi, but the driver said that the guests wouldn't arrive until Thursday. What should I do? Thursday, said Frank or Ernest with a frown. Excuse me, concierge. I don't suppose that I'll have to tell you how important this is. I'll be right back. The manager followed the bellboy into the crowd, leaving the Baudelaire standing alone next to a large wooden bench marked with the numbers 128. Klaus ran his hand along the bench, which was etched with rings from the people setting down glasses without using coasters. Do you think that we're, we're talking to Frank, Klaus said, or Ernest? I don't know, said Violet. He used the word volunteer, so maybe that was some sort of a code? Oh, thrust in Erst, Sunny said, which meant... He knew that Thursday was important. That's true, Klaus said, but it's important to him because he's a volunteer or a villain. Before either Baudelaire sister could ha- could hazard a guess, a phrase here which means attempt to answer Klaus's question, the tall, skinny man reappeared at their sides. You must be the new concierge, he said, and the children re- realized that this was the other brother. Welcome to Hotel Dumont. You must be Ernest, Violet said, or Frank, Sonny said. Yes, the manager said, although it was not clear with whom he was agreeing. I'm very grateful that you are here. The hotel is quite busy at the moment, and we're expecting more guests to arrive on Thursday. Now you'll be stationed at the concierge desk, number 175, right over here. Follow me. Oh, yeah, I think the other one was a bad guy because this guy knows what he's talking about, huh, Pei? Well, they're both managers, Mom. I know, but remember he said one's good and one's bad. But the bad guy, I would think, would not know how to do, how to explain to them what to do. And this guy is explaining for him what to do. Maybe? That's my guess. The children followed him into the far wall of the lobby where a large wooden desk sat under a number, under the number 175, which was painted over an enormous window. On the desk was a small lamp shaped like a frog. And out the window, the children could see the gray flat horizon of the sea. We've got a pond on one side of us, said Ernest, unless, of course, it was Frank, and the sea on the other side. It doesn't sound very safe, and yet some people think it's a very safe place indeed. Frank, unless it was Ernest, looked around hurriedly and lowered his voice. What do you think? Once again, the manager's face was unfathomable, and the children could not tell if his reference to him was a safe place made reference to a safe place made him a volunteer or a villain. Mmm, Sonny said, which is often a safe answer, even though it is not really an answer at all. Hmm, Frank said, or Ernest in response. Now then, let me explain how this hotel is organized. Oh, maybe this is a bad guy because he's trying to get an answer out of them. (laughs) Excuse me, sir, said a bell girl whose face could not be seen behind a pile of newspapers she was carrying. 
the latest edition of the Daily Punctilio has arrived. Let me see, said either Ernest or Frank, plucking a copy at the top of the pile. I heard that Geraldine Julian has written an update on the Baudelaire case. The Baudelaire orphans froze, scarcely daring to look over at one another, let alone the volunteer or villain who was standing beside them reading the headline. Baudelaire's rumored to return to the city, he said, according to the information recently discovered by this reporter when she opened a cookie. Veronica, Clyde, and Susie Baudelaire, the notorious murderers of the renowned actor of Count Olaf, are returning to the city, perhaps to commit more vicious murders or continue their recent hobby, hobby of arson. Citizens are advised to watch for these bloodthirst, three bloodthirsty children and to report them to the authorities if they are spotted. If they are not spotted, citizens will be, are advised to do nothing. The manager turned to the Baudelaire's, his face unfa- unfathomable as ever. What do you think of that, concierges? Oh, it's an interesting question, Klaus replied, which is, not, which is another very safe answer. I'm glad you find this interesting, Ernest, or Frank replied, which is equally as safe as Klaus's answer. Then he tuned, he turned to the bell girl. I'll show you the newsstand room in room 168, he said, and disappeared with the newspapers into the crowd, leaving the Baudelaire's alone, standing at the desk, staring out to the sea. I think that was Ernest, Violet said. His comment about the hotel's safety sounded very sinister. But he didn't seem alarmed by the story in the Daily Punctilio, Klaus said. If Ernest is an enemy of VFD, he'd be on the watch for us. So that many prob- so that man was probably Frank. Maybe he just didn't recognize us, Violet said. After all, few people recognize Count Olaf when he's in disguise, and his disguises aren't met- much better than ours. Maybe we look like concierges, but more than concierges than Baudelaire's. Or maybe we don't like bo- look like Baudelaire's at all, Klaus says. As Kit said, we're not children anymore. Nidiculous, Sonny said, which meant something like, and I think I'm still a child. That's true, Klaus admitted, smiling down to his sister. But the older we get, the less likely likely that we'll be recognized. That should make it easier to do our errands, Violet said. What do you mean by that? asked a familiar voice, and the Baudelaire saw that the either Frank or Ernest had returned. That what my associate meant, Klaus said, thinking quickly, is that it would be easy for us to start our work as concierge if you explained to us how the hotel is organized. Oh, I just said that I would do that, said Frank in an annoyed voice, or Ernest as in an irritated one. Once you understand how the Hotel, hotel du Monde works, you will be able to perform your errands as easily as you would find a book in a library. And if you can find a book in a library, then you already know that this how this hotel works. <clears throat> Expound, said Sunny. The Hotel du Monde is organized organized according to the Dewey Decimal System. Frank or Ernest explained, that's the same way the books are organized in many libraries. For instance, if you want to find a book on German poetry, you would begin with a section of the library marked 800, which contains books on literature and rhetoric. Similarly to the eighth story of this hotel, it is reserved for our rhetorical guests. With 800 sections of a library, you'd find books on German poetry labeled 831. If you were to take the elevator up to the eighth floor and walk into room 831, you'd find a gathering of German poets. Understand? I think so, Klaus said, and all three Baudelaire's had spent enough time in libraries to be familiar with the Dewey Decimal System. But... 
Even Klaus's vast experience and research did not mean that he had committed the entire system in memory. It is not necessary, of course, to memorize the Dewey Decimal System in order to use a library, as most libraries have catalogs in which all of the books are listed on cards on a computer screen or on a computer screen to make it easier to find. Where can we find the catalog for the Hotel Dumont services? Catalog, repeated either Frank or Ernest. You should need a catalog. There are a hundred there the entire hundred section of a library is dedicated to philosophy and psychology, and so this is the first story of our hotel. From the reception desk, which is labeled 101 for the theory of philosophy, to the concierge desk, which is labeled 175 for ethics of recreation and leisure, to the couches over there, which are labeled 135 for dreams and mysteries, and, and most of our guests want to take naps or conceal something underneath a sofa cushion. That second story is, a, is for the 200s, for religion, and we have a church, and a cathedral, and a chapel, and a synagogue, and a mosque, a synagogue, and a mosque, and a temple, a shrine, a shuffleboard court, and room 296, which is currently occupied by some by a somewhat cranky rabbi. The third story is a social science, is the social sciences, where we have planned our ballroom meeting, ballrooms and meeting rooms. The fourth story is dedicated to a language, so most of our foreigners stay there. The 500s are dedicated to mathematics and science, and the sixth story is dedicated to technology from the sauna room in 613, which stands from the promotion of the health to the room in 697, <clears throat> which is where we keep control for heating, ventilation, and air conditioning. Now, if the seventh story stands for the arts, what do you think that we should find in room 792, which stands for stage presentations? Violet wanted to tie her hair up in a ribbon to help her think, but she was afraid of being recognized. A theater, she asked. You're ob you've obviously visited a library before, said the manager, although the children could not tell if he was com complimenting them or getting suspicious. I'm afraid that it's not true. All of my guests, that it's not true of all of our guests so that when we are in need of any of our services, they ring for the concierge instead of, a wandering, instead of wandering around the hotel by themselves. And the next day or so, you'll probably walk through every section of the hotel from astronomy to observatory and in room 999 of the employees quarters in the basement to the room to the basement room 000 is that where we sleep Klaus asked well you're on duty 24 hours a day Ernest said or perhaps it was Frank but the hotel gets quite a gets very quiet at night when the guests go to sleep or stay up all night reading you can take a nap behind the desk and someone ring and when somebody rings you it will serve as an alarm clock Frank stopped talking, or perhaps it was Ernest, and finally looked around the room before leaning close to the Baudelaire's. The three siblings nervously looked back at Ernest through their sunglasses, or maybe it was Frank. Your positions as concierge, he said in an unfathomable tone, unfathomable tone are excellent opportunities to you for you to quietly observe your surroundings. People will tend to treat the hotel staff as if they are invisible. So... You will have the chance to see how to see and hear quite a lot of interesting things. However, you should remember that you also have many opportunities to be observed. Do I make myself clear? This time, Violet. This time, it was Violet who needed to give a safe answer. Hmm, she said. That's an interesting question. Either Frank or Ernest narrowed his eyes at the oldest Baudelaire and seemed seemed about to say something when the Baudelaire suddenly heard a loud, piercing ring 
Aha, the manager cried. Your work has begun. The siblings followed Ernest or Frank around the corner, around the other side of the desk, and Frank or Ernest pointed to a vast network of tiny bells, each no larger than a thimble, which lined up on the back of a desk where knobs for drawers might otherwise be. Each bell had a number on it, from zero to 999, with one extra bell that had no number at all. This extra bell was ringing, along with the bell 371 and bell 674. ring cried Ernest or frank ring i shouldn't have to tell you that the bell's your signal we can't keep our guests waiting for every for even an instant you can tell which guest is ringing by the number of the bell if it was the number on the bell 469 for example you would know that our portuguese guests would require assistance are you paying attention the bell mark 674 indicates our associates in the lumber industry and 674 means lumber processing or wood products in the Dewey Decimal System. We can't make enemies out of our important guest. The number 371 indicates educational guests. Please be nice to them too, although they're much less important. Please respond to all of our guests whenever you hear that ring. But what does the unmarked bell do? Klaus asked. The Dewey Decimal System doesn't go higher than 999. The manager frowned as if the middle Baudelaire had given him the wrong answer. That's the rooftop sunbathing salon, he said. People who aren't who sunbathe aren't usually interested in library science, so they're not picky about the salon's location. Now get moving. Well, where should we go first, Violet said. Guests have requested assistance in three places at once. Well, you're going to have to split up, of course, Frank or Ernest replied, as unfathomably as ever. Each concierge will choose a guest and hurry to the location, take the elevators. They're at 118 for force and energy. Excuse me, sir, said another bellboy, tapping Ernest Frank or Frank on the shoulder. There's a banker on the phone who would like to speak with one of the managers right away. I better get to work, said the manager, and so should you, concierges. Off with you. Uh, off with you is a phrase used by people who lack courtesy to say something more polite, such as, if there's nothing else that you require, I must be going. Or, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to ask you to leave, please. Or, even, excuse me, but I believe you have mistaken my home for your own and this valuable belonging for you. And my valuable belongings for yours. And I must take, I must ask you to return the items in question to me and leave my home after untying me from this chair as I am unable to do it myself if it's not too much trouble. The children were not pleased to to be dismissed so rudely, nor were they not pleased to learn that their employment at concier- as concierges would be Oh, would it involve such complicated organizational method as an immense and confusing hotel? They were not pleased that they had not been able to discern which manager was Frank and which was Ernest, and they were not pleased to learn that the Daily Punctilio was alerting was alerting cities citizens to the Baudelaire's arrival so that someone might recognize them at any moment and not and have them arrested for crimes that they didn't commit. But most of all, the Baudelaire's were not pleased by the, by the notion of splitting up and doing separate errands. In, per, in this perplexing hotel, they had hoped to perform their duties as concierge, concierges and flaneurs together, in which each step towards the elevator grew more and more unhappy at the idea of leaving one another behind. I'll go to the rooftop salon, Violet said, trying to be brave. Klaus, why don't you take room 674 and Sunny, you can take room 371. We'll all meet up at the concierge desk when we're done. We'll be able to observe this We'll be able to absorb more, more this way, Klaus said, hopefully. And the three of the and 
the three of us on the separate stories, we can find the imposter much more quickly. Unsafe, Sunny said, which meant something along the lines of, I'd rather not find the imposter. If I'm all by myself, you'll be safe, Sunny, Klaus said. This hotel is just like any other large library. Yes, Violet said. And what what's the worst that can happen in a library? The two younger Baudelaire's did not answer her, and the three concierge stood in silence for a few moments, gazing at a small sign posted near the elevator's sliding doors. One pair of doors finally opened. Oh, when one pair finally opened, the children stepped inside and pressed the appropriate button for their guest locations, and as the small elevator began to rise, the three children remembered that the elevator shaft at 667 Dark Avenue, which had been, un- which had been necessary to climb up and down several times. The Baudelaire's Baudelaire's had learned the worst thing that could happen in the elevator shaft, which was being thrown down by a a villainous girlfriend. The Baudelaire's had learned that the worst thing that could happen at a lumber mill was being forced to cause a violent accident through a sinister power of hypnotism. And the Baudelaire's had learned that the worst thing that could happen in a school, which was meeting some dear old, which was meeting some dear old friends only to have them dragged away by a black automobile. The orphans learned that this that the worst thing at the worst thing was at a herpetologist's house and that the worst it was in a small town and at a hospital and at a carnival and at the peak of a mountaintop and in a submarine and a cave and within the currents of the rushing stream and inside the trunk of a car and in the pit of a lion's and a secret passageway of many, many old sinister places they'd prefer not to think about at all. And through those perils they had encountered the countless other perils besides and they had always always found a library of some of some sort or another where the children managed to discover the crucial information necessary to save their skins a phrase here which means keep them alive for the next terrible chapter of their lives but now the baudelaire's new home was a library and a strange one of course but the library but a library nonetheless as, and as the elevator took them silently through the libraries towards the separate destinations, they did not like to wonder what the worst thing was that could happen at a library, particularly after reading the first four words of a small posted sign. In case of fire, the sign read, and as the Baudelaire orphans went to their own sep- went their own separate ways, they did not like to think about that at all. How come you don't think they like to think about that? Because they don't want to think they, they, they don't want to be Maybe. <clears throat> Cause it remind, maybe because it like reminds them of the fire and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Spook, spook, spooky, spook. <laughs>